cross the street. Excuse me, Egon. You said crossing the stream was bad. Cross the Streams podcast, a family edition. That's why we can, I think part of the reason Kane and I started this thing is so we can catch up with people, friends, family. Today, one of our great cousins is joining us and Kane. I, I think we got another special host today on your end of, of, of the deal. Yeah, that's right. This is definitely a first for the old podcast. I've got my daughter, my six-week, six-and-a-half-week-year-old daughter sitting on my lap going to town on a bottle of milk. Um, it, and I was like I was telling you two before we got on air here, I'm just, I'm adjusting. I'm just trying to adjust on the fly, make things work. My yep. wife leave me, leaves me and says, hey, fend for yourself. And I'm fending. I'm fending off all cries and tears as much as I possibly can. That's, it's, hey, that's, that's the impressive part of the living room. In this case, your living room. Kira, your living room. And I'm in the office. Um trying to get away from my three kids so they wouldn't be guest hosts. But my cousin is with us. Kira, introduce yourself to the masses of the Cross the Streams world uh, to everybody listening today. Okay, sounds good. Hello, everybody. My name is Kira Yuane. I live in Los Angeles, California, and I am a singer and an actor. And she is the creative in the family, I think. The creative. I mean, we do a podcast, but we just talk. You do performances and all kinds of awesome things. One of the reasons we want to get you on here, because you have so many things to say and talk about. And since we haven't seen each other since, my goodness, it had to be a wedding. Yes? Oh, in- I think it was Calais wedding. In it how was- long ago was that? Five? Six? Uh, 2000. Oof, 10? Oh, she's going to be mad at me if I forget. <laughs> yes, I know. And I, I, mean, I know we've all been in L.A. a couple times, and you've had work schedules, or we've had stupid recruiting and yeah. clinic schedules. So this is going to count as a family reunion and an interview at the same time, right? Indeed, yes. And also, I, Kane, I, didn't I see you later than that? I think I saw you in maybe 2012 or 2013, really briefly, right? Where you were here yeah. now? Yeah, I believe we went out, got a chance to meet up at uh, your local neighborhood Applebee's and have a bite to eat. <laughs> well, well, yeah, we, are well we are so classy. No, we, we we spare no expense when we get together, right? Like, hey, let's, let's meet at Applebee's and, and catch up. Only the best for my cousin, you know? Two for no 20. Question. No well, question. Well, I mean, Kira, let's be honest. You did rob us of the traditional I own inebriation at a wedding because your yes. husband did the fast. A different version. You just went your own route. Yeah, I, went, I pulled the through. Yeah, I did, a, <laughs> I did the old uh, quiet elope. Um, and that was a big, that was a first, I think, in the UNA clan. I don't think any was <laughs> that it was. And I wish. God, there's so many things I got to ask in here. We'll get to it later. Maybe we'll put that in the premium section when I ask about <laughs> Uncle John, your dad, my uncle's reaction to that. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, let's, I want to start here because, you know, you know, we always talk to people about, hey, give us your cross the streams moment in life when X, Y, Z was on the table and you chose a path that maybe not everybody was going to say was awesome. But I, th- I want to start with you and then let you kind of take us on your journey okay. because you went to Wazoo and yeah. your older two sisters, Went to UW. I want to start there because of the oh, whole yeah. dogs. And then uh-huh. you went to Wazoo. Kaylee went to Long Beach. Go with, take yes. a start from there. Well, may I just say, uh, judging by the last couple of things we said, the elope, the the rival school, I tend to take the, the road less traveled. <laughs> um, it is. I would say it's not intentional, but I think somewhere subconsciously it is. And I don't, yeah. I don't know. So here I am. And uh, yeah, in, in college, I always 
from a very young age, I was in theater, in musical theater. Um, so I was acting and singing for a long time. And as you know, my sisters and I all sing together. So singing was mm -hmm. always a passion, but acting was the route that I knew I wanted to take for a really long time. And uh, then when I was in college, um, you know, kind of the pressures of make sure that you can get a real job, Kira, really <laughs> was, it was difficult to quiet those, um, those voices. So I took the route of, uh, of studying broadcast news in communication so that I would have a degree that I could actually use if I wanted to get into sportscasting or newscasting. Mm -hmm. um, I, I knew it would give me, I knew it would give me all the knowledge I needed in front of the camera and behind the camera so that I wouldn't just be like another person trying to get in front of the camera with no experience. Yeah. Uh, but that said, I knew pretty quickly in college that news casting was not the route that I wanted to go. Right. Um, and so when I, my senior year of college, I was awarded a um, scholarship to intern in a top five market. And so that was my in. My initial idea was to get a way to go to Los Angeles and not have to go without a job lined up. Mm -hmm. So with that scholarship, I was able to lock in a job in Los Angeles working for a production company, a television production company, because Washington State has an amazing broadcast program. And a lot of alumni move to uh, large markets and work in film, television, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So I had a guy that used to go to Wazoo and is working as an executive producer for shows in Los Angeles contact me. He was my mentor and told me, hey, look, I got this job opening up. Uh, and it was it just happened to be about a month after I graduated college in, in May of 2012. So it just worked out perfectly uh, timing wise. And I just packed up my 1992 Buick and my dad uh, <laughs> took the 22 hour drive with me down to Los Angeles in July of 2011. And so the, that's, I mean, there's so many things. I feel like we're trying to cram in what we would usually do over a, a, a weekend of lots of food and, and, yes, and drinks. But yes. So yes. was the mentor job connection that was after the internship or the internship was that connection? Oh, the internship was that connection okay. uh, because through the, the uh, broadcast program at Washington state has their own student ran uh, television station. And the station is run completely by students, but we have uh, mentors, what we call them. And they were people that were actually working in the real world that would give us criticism and feedback on the things that we were doing. And my mentor just so happened to be one of the guys working down here in Los Angeles. Okay. So it just kind of, it was just like a really perfect scenario for me. I'm kind of jealous. I'm jealous that Montana State didn't have a broadcasting uh, <laughs> communications major of some sort. I feel like that I would have jumped all over that just for the pure fun of being behind a camera or in front of a camera uh -huh. or a recording studio or something, just the creative quality that you could get from that. It would, that would have been awesome as opposed to just your boring secondary education degree that I got from Montana State. <laughs> oh, you know, just your boring uh, all American football career and all that. Cause you were an amazing athlete, all of that. Boring stuff. You know, I got lucky when it came to all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I missed the, my calling in, in other areas, you know. Well, look I'm, at you now, though. You're you're doing it now. You're a dad. Yeah. You're a football coach, and now you're you're pursuing the broadcasting. It, so, it all comes like, full circle, I guess. Yeah. You know, on that same note that Kane's talking about, it had me thinking, like, you know, because I did business economics, right? And yeah. I know there's the, there were requirement classes that I had to take when yeah. you're in the broadcasting school at Wazoo. And you, I, I like how you mentioned not just being in front, because obviously a lot of people want to be, hey, I want to be famous, have my face on billboards. But you talked about learning behind it. 
Yeah. What, is, what does that entail for, for the layman's out there like us? You know, we're running a Google Hangout. We could barely get you. <laughs> you know, but, sure. like explain to give us, you know, two or three things that you you had to learn before you could even worry about being on the other side. OK, uh, the I'd say the shooting, uh, so using the camera and editing were two of the biggest things, uh, two of the biggest assets that I learned that have carried through with me to now. Okay. Because uh, one of the programs that we were cutting on is called Avid, and it's still used today. It's it's a little people have gone different routes, and there are new uh, there's new cutting software now. But Avid is a really useful tool to cut together. We were using it to cut our news packages, but you can also use it to cut, uh, okay. yeah, other stuff. So basically, yeah. editing I would say was the biggest thing that uh, that we learned that helped. Is that me. like a freshman year, sophomore year progression. Uh, Freshman and sophomore year were essentially useless. Nothing. <laughs> Rex, get them out <laughs> of the way. It yeah, was like, uh, you know, intro math and all the stuff that we've forgotten everything about. All your core courses. All the core courses that required. meant nothing to me. That means exactly. Yeah. That means nothing to most people that go to college. Yeah. <laughs> You're taking these core um, courses. Yeah. Hey, guys, so was, uh, my fairy tales uh, class, it was a writing center class, has really been useful. Okay. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, really? Oh, my God. Uh, so it was junior and senior year that I got to start taking the classes that I, that really were useful. And that was uh, broadcasting. And also I was minoring in theater just okay. to get some more of the creative acting stuff that I was yeah. missing with broadcasting. So I was doing both of those junior and senior year. Okay. So you get to LA, you're interning. Yeah. I, I remember you discussed, what show was it? Yeah. So it was a show on the CW at the time. It was called Hater. Uh, it got canceled halfway uh, through the season, so that was a great learning experience. Um, and it was it was a show hosted by Mario Lopez. Where, yes, um, oh yeah, M M Lopes, and he was uh, he was basically getting together with like celebrity friends, and he would set it was like a hidden camera show where he would set up people who hated certain celebrities to be confronted by those celebrities. <laughs> it was oh, a wow. funny idea. It was a yeah. funny idea. It didn't turn out. Uh, so we, I think we shot maybe eight episodes or something like that. And then it got canceled. And that was a, a bizarre experience. Be, mm -hmm. a, being 22 years old and it being my first real job and B, getting a real taste of what people go through in Los Angeles working as freelance uh, production. What was behind the scene? I'm assuming behind the scenes role for you on the hater set. Mm -hmm. Just describe that and then... Uh -huh. Is that similar to like, you know, a Kane's doing quality control at Washington, but they got GAs, you know, in my place, we've got, I've got a non-paid assistant position. Is sure. that, that like paying your dues similar in the coaching profession to what you uh, were doing? Yes. Yeah. That is pretty similar to what I was doing for the first, um, probably six months to a year of working in production because, uh, I actually got pretty lucky because I was the, I was an executive assistant. So I was an assistant to the executive producer, which was a little bit easier because then you're just doing all of the grunt work for one person versus production assistants do the grunt work for the entire office. Okay. And that's the job that is thankless and, and really difficult. And I did, I did that job as well, but, um, the first job was just assisting the executive producer. And that okay. was just mostly, um, he was kind of the creative guy. So he was the one that was getting in contact with the celebrities that we would be working with. And then on set, I would just be there in case he needed me to get anything for him. Or sometimes they used me as an associate producer, which at the time was what they called wrangling talent, where you <laughs> have to sit with the guest show of the day and 
keep them company and keep them where they need to be so that when the producers need them, they know where they are and you bring them in. Uh, Wrangling. See, we're always learning. (laughs) No question. Wrangling talent. Use it. Wrangler. That's awesome. (laughs) I feel bad that, not bad, but every time you're saying assistant to the executive, what was it, assistant to the executive producer, producer, like in my mind, I'm thinking freaking Dwight Schrute. Yeah, Dwight Schrute. In the office. Yes. Did you ever did you ever throw that out every once in a while? Like, yeah, hi, I'm the I'm the assistant executive producer. And then actually it's assistant to the executive producer. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I would have thrown that out so much. Oh, I would have tried. Just, I would have oh, yeah. tried. With did you throw that at your sisters and in family? Like, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm the, I'm the assistant executive producer down here. I'm doing really well. <laughs> well wow, so soon, Kira, you're really climbing up the ladder. <laughs> So take start go from the cancellation of haters. Yeah. Then what? Okay. So um, basically, for the next two years, I was working from from hater. I went to the Bachelor. Okay. That was the next job that I worked on because they were in the same production office. That's not a small show now. What's that? No, it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, not a small show. Not a small show in the slightest. And and you, as you know, they're still really grinding it out. It's like right. season twenty two or whatever they're on. Yeah, Am yeah. I like the only person that hasn't watched in the, like the last 10 years? I have like, never. I, yeah. I did not watch the show before working on the show. <laughs> so I had friends when I started working on the show that were freaking out like, oh my God, you're working for The Bachelor. And I was like, haven't seen a single <laughs> of this show. Oh, I don't know God. anything about it. I've got some thoughts on The Bachelor. I might I might throw them out in the reacts. because uh... <laughs> I can't wait to hear those because I too have some thoughts on The Bachelor. Uh, <laughs> But that said, it was uh, kind of the same deal. I was um, I was an office assistant, and then I was also I became assistant to another executive producer. <laughs> uh, you know, again, climate. Yeah. And uh, so I did that for a while, and then um, when the show ends, the craziest thing about working freelance in LA and what I a lot of the producers are so used to doing, and now I'm used to it um, and seeing it in this industry. But at the time, I was like, I don't, it, I don't get this. They. They work on the shows, and then when the show ends, usually you'll have like a month break, or if you're not going to come back to the same show, you're indefinitely unemployed. So people quickly call to get on unemployment so that they take, <laughs> so, oh. they can, so they can have some sort of paycheck while they're moving from job to job. And it's crazy because the first time they told me to do that, I, I was like, I don't understand. I thought unemployment was for like people who aren't working. Everybody here is. You know, but it, anyway, so that was yeah. kind of a crazy, weird experience. Oh, absolutely. That's I that, that didn't even cross my mind that, that that's what would happen. Yeah. And, you know, the the crazy thing about the production industry, though, is it like I bet like any industry and you guys can chime in in the sports world. if It's the same. It's so uh, it's once you're in, you're in. And once you know someone or you have worked on one show, you just start to roll from show to show. Right. But if you're not in. It, good luck. Good luck. <laughs> that's that's insane, Kane. You should probably take that one, Mister Pac-12. Yeah, I will. I, I will go ahead and jump on that one and, and say that is very similar to the old coaching biz, <laughs> where it's not what you know, it's who you know. Absolutely. And it's unfortunate because there are some really good coaches that are down at the you know high school ranks or D two ranks or FCS one double A that can't break through to the Pac-12 or uh, Big Ten or ACC or whatever because they just don't know enough people yet. Right. And, but once you do, once you get your foot in the door and you start, uh, you're on one landing spot or land one job and you get fired in a year, 
you've got a much better possibility of landing another Pac-12 job or Big Ten mm-hmm. job if you've been in that conference. That's regardless, crazy. it is. And regardless of you may be a terrible coach, but if you've landed a job in the Big Ten or, or one of these Power Five schools, most likely you're going to be able to hang around in the Power Five and be rehired and just recycled around just because of who you know and, and where you've been. Yep, that is uh, that's exactly um, that's exactly what it is like here uh, in production and when you're working as an actor or a singer. It's like oh, it, has no, it has nothing to do with your talent. You know, it has everything to do. I mean, uh, your talent is a bonus. It helps if you're talented, but I. It's, yeah. So yes, that is exactly it. Yeah, that's. I'm glad you you kind of you led us down this segue because I, I remember earlier you talked about a mentor that they hooked you up with directly in college, right? Mm-hmm. And I I've been talking with my assistants and other people just in the basketball coaching. Like, there's is there a similar setup with you have this mentor, but also the mentor versus a sponsor discussion. Mentor being someone you confide in, rely on for advice try to you know discuss things but a sponsor is actually the person that might get you hired because a mentor knows all your skeletons. Ah, yes, yes. That's similar. Do you experience that too? Um, in a way I did. Uh out of college I did for sure because uh, my mentor Mike is the he he did help me get the job because he was the one that hired me, but he was more the person who I confided in, who I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I don't know how I'm going to get down here. And he talked me through a lot of that, a lot of the personal issues that I was facing, but uh, the sponsor quote unquote, probably would have been uh, Dr. Kenji Kitatani, who was the guy who gave me the scholarship. So he gave me the financial means to get down to Los Angeles yeah. in the mm-hmm. first place. And yeah. he still, of course, I mean, he would be there for sure. If I had questions, like we talked throughout the years and he's tried to connect, connect me with certain people that he knows here in Los Angeles. So he's definitely there to help as well, but he was more the, the, the way I got down here. And then Mike was more mm-hmm. the person that kind of helped guide me once I got here. Awesome. So keep going. Bachelor. Keep uh, going bachelor, sure. And I won't waste too much time here because really the cross the stream moment comes after all of this okay. production business. But uh, I, I rolled from show to show. I went bachelor. Um, then I went the X factor. That was when mm. it was here in the U S yeah. and that was at the time I was working for Sony technically, cause it was a, the digital, it was like a digital pre-show. And then I went back to the bachelor. Um, and then I went back to <laughs> This uh, the the production company that I was working for for the X Factor started their own company, and I worked for them. And then that's when I was working a little bit higher of a position as a as a coordinator, and that was like a a really amazing learning experience. And I grew a lot, and the people there cared for me a lot, and I cared for them. But they, I would say that working that final production job uh, was what gave me. Uh, what was what made me realize I was spending the last two years of my life in Los Angeles doing something that I didn't really come here to do mm-hmm. because I, I came here to pursue acting yeah. uh, and, and, and singing, which we could talk about in a bit, but I felt like the hours that I was working in production really didn't allow me the time to pursue the things that I was trying to pursue. So I had to dip out of that before I started rolling too deep. And then all of a sudden I'd wake up one day, five years later and be in production and not have pursued anything that I was trying to pursue. Mm. On that front, clarify, clarify for us, like is, uh, and resumes probably is if resumes even relatable to the industry you're in is an acting profile resume different, obviously than production. You can't blend them. Like when you're Um, going for a job, like how, how does that shake out? Uh, it's, 
It's, do you mean if I can put production on an actor? Right. Yeah. Does that oh, help you at all or vice versa? Uh, not, not particularly. No. Okay. Um, I have separate resumes for production and for acting. Okay. But that said, I think, uh, on my, I don't remember. It's been a long time since I looked at my resume. Now that you say that <laughs> on my, on one of my resumes, I have like an additional skills section okay. where I was able to put some of the things that I learned in production onto my acting resume mm. as a helpful skill. For instance, um, an additional skills that I can, I'm really comfortable with a teleprompter. And okay. that's something that's helpful when trying to get acting mm. gigs and mm. such, because some people can't, aren't used to it or wouldn't be able to read it. So some jobs, if they require that, they would look at an actor that has that experience and you'd maybe get a leg up on that job. Okay. Okay. You made the decision. You don't want to be fi- wake up five years, talk yes. through the process. Okay. You talk to about it. Is that hubby? Is that you're like you mentioned your sponsor? Is that other people that you know maybe were farther along in acting that were uh, encouraging you take the jump? Yeah. So that was the the biggest that the most helpful person in my life at that time was my husband Reed because he's been uh, at this acting thing and now he makes his own stuff. He's a full on filmmaker at this point. Mm-hmm. He he had been pursuing this for, for quite a few years before me. Um, and so he was really helpful at all of my trepidation because I, I made the initial, I thought making the initial leap to moving to Los Angeles was the biggest decision I had to make, but yeah. it wasn't because I got <laughs> so comfortable in production, in the paycheck, in the consistency, uh, the idea of getting to, to all that experience that I had gotten and just throwing it out the window and saying, okay, I'm about to just start over and work a restaurant job, which is something that I've done since college. Mm-hmm. That makes me feel like I'm taking a step backwards. And he mm-hmm. was really there to be like, look, if you need the time, you know, to do what you're trying to do, working in somewhere like a restaurant or some random job like that is going to award you the time you need um, to dedicate your life to what you're trying to do outside of it. So he was like the person that helped me feel comforted and, and not feel like I was taking steps backward. Right. And of course, my family was helpful in that too, because at the time I was talking to my mom a lot and my sisters a lot about it. And mm-hmm. they were all just as supportive of, look, if you don't feel like you're doing what you went there to do, then then do it. So I uh, jumped on old Craigslist and I uh, started looking up restaurant jobs, which, which felt so weird. Found a, a restaurant that was opening in Santa Monica. And I just, and without talking to the production company, because I didn't want to spoil anything yet if I wasn't going to end up leaving, I applied for that job, got that job, luckily. Um, so I didn't really, I have to like keep looking. And then I had to make the decision of, do I take this job, this restaurant job where I, I have no idea what our financial situation is going to be like? Or do I uh, stay in the production world? And I chose to take the restaurant job and start pursuing the uh, the acting stuff. Ooh, you crossed the stream. That's for crossed the stream. I did. That's a, that's yeah. a that's a it's a big stream there. I mean, and, yeah. and it's funny that a lot of these interviews, there's moments like that where you just realize I'm not pursuing what I really want to pursue. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm comfortable. Yes, I'm making you know my way up. I'm, a, I'm an assistant executive producer and, and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but but I'm still not happy. There's just something that is not quite right. Yeah. I, I have to, I got to, I got to switch modes. I got to go and leave this comfort zone. That's a hard, hard jump to make. It was, yeah, it was. And it's, and it's something that, you know, the, cr- the crazy thing is, is my story is not unique to so many people here in Los Angeles 
there are countless, there are thousands of people that have made that exact decision. And that's mm-hmm. what makes LA such a strange bubble of a place to be in is that right. everybody did that. Like you're not yeah. special. Everyone's doing the same <laughs> thing that you're doing. Everyone's trying the same thing that you're trying. Yeah. How many times did you hear that? How many times did people tell you that exact thing? Yeah. You learn really quickly that there are 20,000 other people just like you. The mm-hmm. second you start, um, trying to pursue this. And thankfully, again, I had Reed was the cushion of like, look, here's what maybe to expect moving yeah. forward. So yeah. he helped me through a lot of that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I heard that a lot. And the, the crazy thing is, is when you were talking about um, making that decision and how difficult that was, there was this moment when I was still working production right before I quit. Um, and this girl we had hired for on-air talent, she was doing like this, this bit and in between scenes, we were talking and she and she said to me like, oh, but you're so pretty. You should be in front of the camera. And I was like, oh, no. And then in my head, I was like, ew, fucking, yeah. I want to be in front of the camera. Sorry to correct No, hey, no. we got an explicit rating on iTunes. You're yeah, clear. You were clear. Yeah, but it was that moment. It was a moment of sheer uh, envy in her. And then also like, oh, but that I did come here to pursue this. And I'm not. <laughs> yeah. and so that I maybe pushed me over the edge. What was the, you know, like, like you mentioned, and I think a lot of people listen, it'll be like consistent paycheck to a maybe. Yeah. Correct? yeah. What is the downsizing slash lifestyle changes you got to make to pull that off? Once I, once I took the restaurant job, uh, my husband was also working at a restaurant at the time. And so the apartment that we were living in was about to up the rent. It's not, I'm sure you've heard about the the rent in Los Angeles and the, the apartment complex that we were living in was not rent controlled. So they were about to up the rent by like $700. And we were like, that can happen. And that, was a, that was a cozy one bedroom that we were living in. And so for the three or three and a half years after that, which only up until like a year and a half ago, we moved into a probably maybe 400 square foot, maybe 350, 375 square foot studio. Um, and it was in a nice neighborhood. Yeah. But it was uh, it was like a little bit of an under the table, like these people are renting this apartment to you, but it's yeah. a little box. Are you cool with that? situation? <laughs> Um, so we lived in a really, the, 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 the biggest downsizing was living in a small place, uh, with cheap rent that we could afford so that we would feel comfortable financially. Uh, so that, that was the most noticeable thing I would say. Absolutely. Okay. Keep going. You make the decision. Yeah. Made the decision. Um, and then, you know, the, the experience since then has been about what I, I guess I ever could have expected it to be. There's, there's ups and downs and, um, you start to realize how little you have to do with any of this, I guess, because Mm -hmm. when you begin and thankfully because I had uh, experienced auditioning as a kid and as a teenager, because I was doing stuff like that when I was younger, I kind of knew what to expect, but the rejection is the hardest thing to, uh, to get through because it makes you want to give up a lot Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for every one gig you might get. You probably have had 30 or more no's. And so that it's hard to stay motivated, but you're the only person really looking out for you unless you have an agent or a manager. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to be on the ball, submitting yourself every day for projects, um, taking acting classes, getting new headshots and things like that. Mm-hmm. And you got to do it all the time to try to stay relevant and keep up in the world. And uh, there's a lot of things that I did and a lot of things that I didn't do. They There's a really big level of 
schmoozing and mm. and uh, going to going to classes that casting directors will put on and and you basically do a, some sort of monologue or scene and in front of a panel of, of 10 casting directors or 10 managers or something if you're trying to get a manager or an agent and then you hope through that that a casting director liked you and will call you in for something so I mean I think I feel like I'm probably boring you with the process, but that's no. just kind of how it goes for years. No, and I think there's there's so much just in that that little segment you're talking about. I mean, number one, just being a creative in general, would, would you agree, disagree that you're, there's kind of a, a constant level of self-doubt that goes along with that? For sure. You know, yeah. Just, just just being just being in that in that that realm. And yeah. then like you mentioned, I, I don't know, this this could apply to you, but I, I know Kane and I are terrible at the schmoozing part of the business. Oh my God. I hate it. I can't stand it. Like yeah. we go to, we, if we go to a clinic or you go to the final four for the coaches clinic, I can't stand the part around all the other coaches. Like I know my friends, but I'm not, <laughs> and then a lot of people, they love the polo session and they love going up to somebody above them, you know, level wise, salary wise. Uh-huh. I just can't do that. Like I'm terrible. I can't do it. And uh-huh. uh, division three coach, that's, that's what I do. So I, I, I totally relate to what you're saying. Yes. It's not, it, it is not my strong suit in the slightest. Maybe it runs in our family. Maybe none of us are going to be. I think we're all of the mindset of you're supposed to put your head down and do your work, and yeah. that's give you where you're trying to go. Right. But that's not always the case, you know? Yeah, it's right. really not. And how, how frustrating is that? Because I, I'm, I'm with you both on this, on this topic where you just feel like and you just have to constantly remind yourself I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be that guy that goes to coaching clinics and, and wants to go up to the guy with the best polo insignia logo <laughs> and introduce myself, hand him my resume and, and try and just schmooze this dude. To, and then hopefully he remembers me the next morning. And you just feel you feel cheap and, and weird doing stuff like that. Yes. Um, but people constantly are telling you, ah, man, you just got to you got to network. You got to network. And I'm going, why? Why can't I just do my job? as well as I possibly can. And that should be enough. That should be able to get me where I want to get to. Yeah. I, compl- I couldn't agree more with you. And, and people still to this day will tell me that like, you know, networking is so important and I've seen it. I've seen it happen for many of the people in my life that I know that are amazing at networking. It helped. They get places mm-hmm. by being oh. overly confident, even if they have nothing to show for it. And then I have many a friend who has, insane talent and and are nowhere that they want to be because they can't sell themselves. And I don't, I think Reed and I have talked about this before. We are both very firm believers that even if we get nowhere, we would rather get there with our, just by doing what we love to do and mm-hmm. having someone recognize that rather than needing to go network and schmooze and sell ourselves. It, I would just, it would, it would hurt my soul a little bit to have to, mm-hmm to go out in there and it'd feel like selling out in a way. You know, it's amazing. You know, we're obviously related, all of us. <laughs> um, but tell me, like, how do you guys, when you have these discussions of getting somewhere, you know, that, that big, the goal down the line or what, how would you guys define success? Cause I think a lot of people ask me that same question. Like we just went, we won, a, we won double figure games, right? We didn't win a trophy of any kind, but this year was probably my most, rewarding but there's nothing that like somebody on the outside would go oh yeah you guys did it you made it yeah so what is that for you guys like obviously you want a freaking oscar or a grammy big picture like i want to win a final four let's let's scale back to the world where the world the sky's not pink right it's reality how do you guys do that What, what does it look like for you two that's a good question i feel like as the years progress 
our definition of success will probably change. But I think at this point in our careers, at this point where we are in our lives, success to me would be being able to do what I love to do for a living, whether that means I'm making $15,000 a year and scraping by financially, but all I'm doing is mm. is acting and singing, that would be success to me. To not have to have a side hustle, gotcha. um, to be able to pursue this full time, that would be success to me. And I we haven't gotten to it. I don't know if I'm holding you guys up, but the, mm. the I kind of had a second cross the stream moment because acting was something that I was pursuing uh, pretty much pretty much just acting. And mm-hmm. then, uh, as you guys know, singing was something that we all did as a hobby, but it was never something that I meant to pursue as a career. Mm-hmm. In the last couple of years, I realized singing was something, A, it just kept eating at me and it kept me, it, it was a, a creative release that I wasn't getting uh, from acting that was a little more personal to me. But also um, it was something that I could do without needing permission to do it. Mm-hmm. Because acting, you're, you're auditioning for someone to give you the opportunity to do what you love to do yeah. and singing. I could get my own equipment and I could write my own music and I could record my own music and cut my own music and not have to wait on anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I had to make the decision of, uh, because it's really diff- for me anyway, I'm sure some people do it with grace and can do it well, but I'm not good at focusing on acting and singing at the same time because it's, seems like too big of a concept for me. Mm -hmm. So I had to decide if I needed to kind of put a pause on acting and pursue singing, or if I would miss acting too much uh, Mm -hmm. to pursue singing as the full-time thing. Yeah. But I decided a a little bit uh, probably about two years ago or a year ago specifically to pursue singing pretty much full-time at Mm -hmm. the moment. And that's, you know, I want to let you get into it later too about, you know, how to follow. I know your SoundCloud, your Insta, your YouTube, your Facebook, um, that internal discussion too. There, like, first of all, we we both know you have a you and this, all your sisters. Like, you stole the show at my wedding. Like, I'm supposed to be important at my wedding, <laughs> and you guys singing all anybody remembers, which is great. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't, 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 don't forget the best man speech. Oh, the best man speech was number two on that Come list. On. I mean, I'll, I'll admit, hundred percent, they. They were much better, but let's not say they completely stole the show and no one remembers the bat, the best man speech. Come on. The best man way too far. for number three on that because they were six sizes too small. Well, and the best – don't forget the best man's cornrows too. That, that was pretty impressive. <laughs> so, uh, I would say that I'm up there as far as creativity in his family now. I mean, I had cornrows and big fat diamond earrings in my 230-pound body. <laughs> The two thirty was something else. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Anyway, I regress. Sorry. No, no, that's fine. That's what that's what the podcast is all about. I love where you talked about without needing permission. Like that's like completely like I'm going to be in charge of my shit. When I want to do it, I'm going to do it. But what is in this in in song music industry? Are there parallels with what you've experienced in acting, both behind and in front of the camera? Is it a similar like how do you go about achieving that you know just making money in music yeah um it is very similar and and i again i'm only speaking from my experience because i don't know how other people's experiences have gone and maybe for them the experience is a lot different from acting but for me uh at least in terms of the the game the game that you play and uh the needing to you know the the all about who you know thing is just as relevant in, in the music business 
as it is in the film business. Um, and so I really haven't cracked the code yet on how how people go about uh, mm-hmm. pursuing music as a career because I think everybody does it differently. Yeah. Uh, but for me, I've just been focusing on writing my own songs because for a while when I was dipping my toe in pursuing music, I was uh, recording a lot of covers and mm-hmm. I was posting those on YouTube and I didn't really have a SoundCloud page and I wasn't really writing, I wasn't really recording originals. I was writing originals, but it's a really, it was a very vulnerable uh, experience and it was difficult mm-hmm. for me to fathom putting my own original music out there for people mm-hmm. to criticize yeah, and, really and maybe to hard. enjoy too, but to criticize is the part I was worried about. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, are the worst. <laughs> uh, so so for me all i've been focusing on uh again with the support of my husband he convinced me to get my recording equipment because uh i was feeling overwhelmed with how i was going to record things yeah. and he was like, why the hell not just get your own stuff so i have all of my own recording equipment i a few years ago probably 2013 or 2014 i started learning how to play the piano in the last year, I've started to learn how to play the guitar so that I could play my own music. That's still a long road ahead. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm just focusing on writing my own music and putting it up on uh, SoundCloud. And then once I have a full mixtape or a full EP, I'll work on pushing that somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know where yet. Um, right. And then in terms of uh, trying to find a community of people, I found a, a collective of artists um, that play music, artists that sing, that kind of do different shows all around the city. And I've been really fortunate to meet them and work with them already once, but getting to sing at different venues around the city is super helpful because it's a way to get some exposure. Exposure is the biggest thing. It's the Mm -hmm. most difficult thing because everybody here is doing the same thing. So nobody cares what you're doing. Nobody Mm -hmm. cares to see your shows. Nobody cares to hear your stuff because they're doing the same, the same thing. So trying to find the pockets in the communities of people who aren't or who would enjoy, uh, you know, supporting your career that's kind of the difficulty do you think that to, in today's world with technology you mentioned soundcloud obviously um does is that going to help artists like yourself more or like you said everybody is doing that or potentially doing that so it, it really starts to uh get watered down again what's your thoughts on that yeah it's i, I feel like it's really complex because it's definitely helpful in that it's provided a platform for people to be able to do these things on their own and mm-hmm. not need to go through a, a label and not need, mm-hmm. you know, yep. to get hired onto a film set. You can, now you can shoot your own stuff and put it up on Vimeo or on YouTube, or you can record your own stuff, put it up on SoundCloud. But I think, so in that regard, I think it's great. But the problem in my opinion, or what, what makes it really difficult and complicates it is in this era of social media um, in the era of people who can make money through Instagram um, mm-hmm. and become Instagram models and Instagram, or they were, they were, um, God, what was that? Like, what was that video app? The six second video app? Like the one that they closed oh, no. down, Vine? Vine, Vine. Vine stars, Vine. you know, and then, and then when Vine shut down, those, those quote unquote Vine stars moved over to Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, it complicates this industry. I feel because the people that have been grinding and and pursuing this as an actual career and a passion are competing with these people who are self-proclaimed models, self-proclaimed actors uh, because they have followings on, on Instagram or online. And those people get 
get work. Um, mm-hmm. Vine stars get roles in shows because they have such a large following. There are countless times that I've gone to an audition and uh, was told, you have a great look, you have a great sound or whatever, but you don't have a social media presence. And that matters in this day and age because yeah. they don't want to have to do the work they want. They want to be able to be able to hire someone who already has a fan base. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think that that is really complicated because then you feel as someone that works in this industry that you have to participate in the Instagram world. And for me personally, I don't like, I don't like social media very much and I, mm-hmm. I'm not good at keeping up with it. Yeah. If yeah. You guys feel the same way or if it, if it is a benefit to people in your world too, to have a social media presence, I don't know. But It is unfortunately in the recruiting world in our, wow. in what we do, that is a huge part of, of what we do and mm-hmm. the presence that we have to have or feel like we have to have because and it's very similar where you look on Insta, Instagram, Twitter, and you start scrolling through and you see your competitors mm-hmm. uh, at other schools and other coaches and you see what they're doing. And in turn, you're like, oh, man, so is that what we have to do now in order to get these recruits? Do we have right. to do that? You know, do we have to keep up with the Joneses in that department. And it's the same thing. Well, both of us aren't the greatest on Insta or on uh, social media in general. We try, mm-hmm. just it's just like the schmoozing thing. It's just yes, like exactly. I, I I'm not big on promoting myself. Mm-hmm. That's probably one. I just don't do a very good job of that. I don't want to be very good at that when it's all. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want people to say, "Man, that came man. He really can promote himself." He's so good at telling you how awesome he is. Exactly. That's not. I, it, it drives me nuts that yeah. somehow that has become in society something great. Like you're really yeah. good because you have all these different followers. You've promoted yourself to get all these followers. That shouldn't be what it should be about. But unfortunately it's the world we live in. So you have to make that decision of, am I going down that path or not? Right. You know, exactly. it's funny you say it's, it's amazing timing. And this is not just a silly grab to our listen up segments where we talk about other podcasts, but I was listening to one of our favorites. Now what by Arian Foster today, before we talked to you and he went on a rant, just like you just did Kira about, and he was talking strictly rap and hip hop. Mm-hmm. He talked about the decline in people grading music on ability, talent, actual, you know, overall the things you, you were aware of in music that we don't know. But more in content versus I got here because I trolled enough people that I have 1.2 million followers and now I put out slop, but I got an automatic audience. Yep. So he was, I mean, he was going off on it and is now what Adrian Peterson, I'm Adrian Foster, episode 34. It's amazing. Um, my second question for you in, you know, you, you talked about learning the piano, the guitar, and previously in acting, you talked about acting classes. Yeah. Where else do you go in music? for like professional development, you know, like Kane and I will pop in a video, we'll go to clinics, we're going to watch, and you know, we're going to talk to other coaches. How is it that you grow yourself musically? Sure. Um, again, I'm sure that there are tons of other ways that uh, other that work for other people that other people do. For me personally, I have a vocal coach. Mm. And that was really helpful to me because prior to uh, meeting her and working with her, I'd never worked with a vocal coach before. And it opened my eyes to the technicality of singing that I never knew existed. Um, and, and some of the things come naturally, I think for people that sing on the day to day, but some of the things you realize uh, you're maybe making singing harder on yourself mm. than it needs to be. Yeah. Uh, and so those kinds of things that she's taught me and is teaching me 
have been really useful tools because the thing that I personally struggle with and worry about the most is uh, once I started pursuing singing as a full-time thing, I'm constantly worried about when I wake up and I'm feeling hoarse or when I'm at work all night and I work in a really loud restaurant and I'm working there for six hours and I'm screaming because they can't hear me. And I wake up the next day and, and I feel like I can't you know, do my job singing wise. She's helped me try to work through uh, kind of techniques that I can use to preserve my voice or things like that. Because I mean, even as coaches, you guys, you use your voices all the time. And how many times have you woken up and, and felt like you've lost your voice and you need it? You know, mm-hmm. anyone that uses their voice like that could probably benefit from from a, a voice teacher or a vocal coach. That's that's funny you say that because when I went up to see when we took the family to see Kane and Carrie and Ava, I had just finished a little kids camp, and this has got to be the fiftieth little kids camp I've done in my life. <laughs> and after day one, I had lost my voice, and I was so furious with <laughs> myself. Like, what kind of rookie? And I told Kane, like, yeah, I went horse after day one. There's 72 hours left, Kip. How are you going to corral these lunatics? Oh, no. <laughs> what did you do? Uh, that's when I learned, hey, remember now, like you said, not needing permission. Well, when you're the head coach, you just pass the whistle. <laughs> and you just say, hey, take over. I'll be in the snack shack. So you just got good at a lot of pointing. and. Yep. He's the ultimate, he's the ultimate delegator. He <laughs> likes to delegate very well. That's a, that's a nice thing to have, man. It's a really, really good gift and skill to be able to do that. Uh, that's that's funny though I, I think that's actually a great idea as far as the uh voice coach yes for coaches. i might look into that we're on to something here well like, no. here, though, you can you can answer this a lot of people have told us and obviously you know it the vocal coach is for singing but kane has a coach voice right uh, different than regular kane voice but it's very yes <laughs> And I, I don't, I don't know if I do yet, or I mean, I don't know probably, but Kane's is like people have commented, "Hey, the podcast is Coach Kane's voice." <laughs> <laughs> it's just natural. I don't know. It's it's a bad habit that I have. Where any any type of interview where it feels like an interview, or it feels like I'm on a in front of a camera for a, a media, some kind of media presence, I instantly go into this coach persona. <laughs> And the coach voice just comes out. I can't help it. I, I, know, I think it. that's probably normal, right? I feel like a lot of people probably put on some different type of voice yeah. uh, when they feel like they're on a, a public platform. You, yeah. I, I don't know what it is, but yeah, I I, I can hear that. I could hear a cage, uh, Coach Kane voice versus just a Cousin Kane voice. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, a, yeah. Let everybody know, like, and I know you've been in a couple shows. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. live stage performing to explain those. Um, in other ways for people to keep getting you those likes without you having to be the, the, an idiot on Instagram. Oh, like, God, yeah. Remember, Kylie Jenner self-made. Okay. Oh, God. Is that the oh. worst thing that's been out in the last week? Sorry. We yeah. like to go random on the podcast, but that is the most ridiculous. Did she say that? No, they, they posted it on Forbes. They no, Forbes, no. Million is si- is yeah. self-made. It's self-made, guys. Yeah. Okay, Forbes. Yeah. Yeah, she's about as, as self-made as Donald Trump is self-made. <laughs> Kira, brag about yourself. I know it's not easy. What are you in? Where do they get you? Where do they find you? Uh, yeah, so I have a – my Instagram is Kiriwane Music. Uh, it's K-E-R-A-I-O-A-N-E. It's not a lowercase L, people. Not a lowercase L. Figure it out. Why would I do that? <laughs> I forgot I'm talking to family. Oh, you guys get it. 
<laughs> yes. That, that, that checks recruits off my board immediately. Oh, dear Lord. Here, here it, alone? Oh, sorry, you're not, you're, not yeah. you're out. Oh, God, it drives me nuts. <laughs> yeah, Anna, how many times in an email or in an introduction have you had to say, that's an I, not an L? Oh, it's unheard of. Yeah, it's, really it's, it's, it's outrageous. It's un- the first, actually, the first poster that someone ever made for me for a show that I was doing. He put my name as Kira L O A N E. I'm so sorry. That is supposed to be an I, not an L. And he was like, yeah. oh, the posters are done. And, and what baffles me is that you will know a person for a long time. You'll have literally worked with this person for however many months, maybe even a year or so, and they still. We'll put an L in front of your last name. So, yeah. And I'm like, well, dude, have you not heard me pronounce my name? Have I ever <laughs> actually said to you, hey, I'm Kane Lone? Yeah. <laughs> How did you ever infer that there was an L there? It drives it, – oh. They just can't fathom that many vowels in a single word. 100%. You know, is, no way. That is very true. But go ahead. 100%. Hey, Kira, keep, keep going. You got We got the music on Instagram one. Yeah, so in, that's in, my Instagram, and then uh, my SoundCloud page is where you can find more of my original music, and that's a helpful place to follow me as well to hear new music from me. So that will be soundcloud.com backslash Kiriyuane. Again, same spelling. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now let's you give us, because I, I talked to Court about this too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tell, give everybody the explanation because they're probably all saying, What the hell is wrong with these Samoans? Because the two <laughs> boys are saying, I own, and the, the oh, girl yes. is saying this other thing. Go into the background and stuff you guys have found out throughout your, you know, talking with different parts of the family, other Samoans. Go into that. Uh, yeah, you mean, do you mean like also the, the pronunciation? Yep. Yes. Yeah. So uh, when I, when I, uh, everyone, I'm sure, maybe you haven't told the story on the podcast yet, but basically when our, our parents growing up, uh, they pronounced their last name Ione because it was easier for people to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I moved away for college, even though it was only a mere hour and a half from from my hometown, I I started going by Kiriyuane from college on because uh, at least when I, in terms of the career uh, path, I wanted to be able to have some representation. There, there's so. F- there's so little representation of the Polynesian community mm-hmm. in the entertainment world, in the broadcasting world, uh, in the music world, that I wanted to be able to represent our our name and our heritage and not have to, for lack of a better term, I guess, um, assimilate. I felt, a, I felt a rebellious pushback of not wanting to have to pronounce uh, my name that way. And, and also... Uh, a, it was, it's a very privileged standpoint to be from. Cause our, I don't think our parents really got the option of saying like, I do not want to assimilate. Yeah, I, I, would think- love <laughs> I would love to hear dad or junior tell grandpa that that'd have been awesome. Oh yeah. No dad. I refuse to assimilate. <laughs> I'm putting my foot down here. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Oh God. That would have been, that would have been the last time they had two feet. <laughs> um, so it's uh, again, admittedly a, a privileged stance to be able to be in, but I wanted to be able to uh, pronounce it the way that it was supposed to be pronounced. And because I was moving to a different city than my dad was working in, mm-hmm. I felt like I could, because even when you go home, my my high school friends, my my friends from childhood will still think of me as Kira Ione, mm-hmm. because that's in Spokane, My since dad works there, 
that's what everybody knows our family as. But yeah. since I could create, since I could start from scratch, I started mm-hmm. as Pure Yuane, and mm-hmm. then I took that with me when I moved to Los Angeles. The um, nice. I think we've got all Kane. Anything else from you on this is fascinating. Obviously, we obviously all have to get together for yes. many more, many more than we have in the last couple of years. When especially your sisters are doing amazing things. I mean, there's so many. We're just going to go to you guys for our podcast guests. Yep. <laughs> in us and have better yep. stories because all like Kelly says, if you and Kane go on there and agree with each other, everything you say, and then you shut down the podcast. <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> Dude, we need more people that are disagreeable. You know, we just need more, more, need more arguments on here. On the show. <laughs> okay, anything else um, we like here? Get out of here. Uh, I guess just what's the next step? What's the wh- where you go from here? Where what's your I guess I don't know, five year plan, three year plan. What's what's the next step for you? Sure. Uh, you know, I think it's just I will uh in the next in the short term, in the next six months, I want to finish my uh mixtape or have finished an EP at this point so that I have a collective body of work to put out into the world in terms mm-hmm. of music. I've been missing acting like I thought I would, so I will likely get back into that, maybe get back into a class uh, and start submitting for projects for that again. But it will essentially be a similar grind to what I'm doing now. And there's no end game because I have no plan B. So uh, if it doesn't work out for me, then we'll see. Let's talk about it in 10 years because I have nothing else to offer the world. That's awesome, man. (laughs) And actually, that is great. I was going to ask you as far as advice to anyone out there that is trying to pursue similar career, a similar career path, do you think that is something that you would tell them as far as don't have a plan B because mm-hmm. it would be too easy to fall back on plan B because of all the hardships that you have, that you encounter in this profession? Would that be an accurate statement? Yeah. Um, you know, I, it's hard because I think it's to each their own. And if, if someone feels like they could still, you know, get out all of their, creative angst and work a nine to five, then more power to you and do that. If you feel like the stability is more important to you, Mm -hmm. if you're okay with being unstable uh, and being unsure because there's just nothing else, there's nothing else that fulfills you uh, than to do this creative journey. Then I think, I think you shouldn't have, there's, there's just, I don't have a plan B because not because I didn't want to, but because I, I've just never thought of one. I've never tried to. And at this point, I don't think I, I don't think I've set myself up for anything else other than this anyway, yeah. but I would just say, be, you know, just be sure it's what you love because mm-hmm. it, it is a tough road and there are many people trying to do it also. Uh, so just be prepared uh, for whatever comes and ho- and just know, just make sure it's what you love. Awesome. And I'm not going to ruin it with a, fo- with a follow-up comment because that was perfect. Cross <laughs> <laughs> the Streams Podcast, Season 2, Episode 8. Kane and I will be back with the reacts. Cross the Streams Podcast. We're back. React segment. Kip and Kane and I own together after our interview with our cousin, Kira Yawane. Uh, and that's one we can talk about in general, just the Iones and the Yoane on the same podcast. She touched on a little bit at the end, and we'll, we'll dive into that little discussion as well. But yeah. I thought, Kane, where do you want to start? There's so much to unpack. I love hearing just everything that has to do with the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, excuse my I'm, – I'm sure you can hear my co-host in the background here, Ava. Diving in. Um, just trying to chime in and get her two cents in. But it's just funny because – 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, Ava. Uh, we've we've talked about just certain things and places that we'd like to see or do. And, and one of them that I brought up was just the, a production booth at a live sports event or just a live major <laughs> event in general. And here she is. Kira has had somewhat of that type of experience. Yes. And uh, so it's it's fun to hear just the the background and just some of the finer details of some of these other industries that you think you know, but you really have no idea. Right. And I, I one of the things that really stood out, and it's it's probably just because it was a family member on the interview. We talked about I think one of the last reacts and one of the additions on the drives, where it's it's real easy to have surface level conversations about what people are doing. <laughs> so you're like, oh, Kira's acting. And that's the extent of it. You know, yeah, Kira's exactly. down in LA chasing Kira's the dream. In LA chasing yeah. the dream. And yeah, that's that's all you know. And so you have these assumptions in your mind. Yep. You have these stereotypical assumptions of what exactly it is that she's doing and how she's going about it. And so it was it was awesome to actually sit her down and like you said, similar to like what we would the conversation that we would have if we were in our backyard uh, having our, our normal pig roast or a, a wedding celebration. We got mm-hmm. all of us cousins got a chance to just really catch up. That's the type of conversation that we had. And it was fun to be able to catch up and really hear the entire story and everything that goes into it. Mm-hmm. I really appreciated just starting from the beginning, one of her first cross the streams, you know, choosing Washington state uh, and, for, and from her answers, obviously it had a lot to do with a, a broadcasting school there. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you and I mentioned, I'm stuck in accounting or I'm stuck in public speaking and she's behind the scenes working in a, you know, in, in production for news in her undergrad. Like I was jealous. I'm not going to kid you. I'm not, I was jealous that that was her undergrad experience. Great for her. And here you and I are taking these ridiculous classes for education and business economics. Exactly. Exactly. No, I, I, I think it, it would be so much fun to be able to take courses or to, uh, do some things that ultimately you feel are relevant to what you want to do in your life. Mm-hmm. And I know in call, and that's what it's hard to say that because a lot of people don't really know what they want to do. Right. But it kind of sounded like Kira really did. And so it, it was very fortunate for her to be able to jump into um, that major that was going to lend to what she wanted to do. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, yeah, I wish there was that option in Montana State when I was going to school. I would have at least uh, taken some classes that would have got me a minor in broadcasting or, or communications yep. or anything along those lines. Right. Um, and maybe we would be better at this whole podcasting thing. We sure would. Taking, we sure taking would. classes. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I found really interesting, and you and I kind of talked about it with her, the similarities in trying to break through in acting and or music and the similar the similarities, maybe not just in our coaching, but what we've heard from a lot of our different guests is the decision people have to face in their life between I need to rely on somebody else and yep. their opinion or my interaction with them versus I'm going to create or be the best in this field. And that will get me where I want to go. And yep. I'm sure the answer is somewhere in between. Um, but I, I thought that conversation we had with her about we're us I own slash Ioannes are really bad at um, begging's the wrong term schmoozing's probably a better word we, we just that's not how we roll yeah and, and like I said I I hate promoting myself I'm not one that that, that goes around promoting himself and and I think that comes within the ter- comes uh, with the territory in a lot of industries 
And it's unfortunate that in order to get somewhere, you've got to plug yourself Mm -hmm. and, and promote yourself. And I just don't feel like I'm very good at that. And so, and I loved how she kind of put it where she would rather be considered unsuccessful by everybody else, but successful in her own eyes, mm-hmm. doing it her way and doing it what she felt is the right way. Yeah. And I, I think I fall in the same, same line where I would much rather do it my way and do it without having to promote myself over the top. You know, you have to do it to a certain extent in order to just mm-hmm. keep your job. Mm-hmm. But I would rather stick to my guns and stick to my values and, and who I am mm-hmm. than to, just fall in line with everybody else. And this is how you do it in order to be successful. Yeah. yeah. And I, I really liked her answer along those same lines where she said, uh, I think you asked her about her career, you know, her five-year plan. And I asked her how you define success either as a singer, an actor, or her husband behind the camera as a film writer. Yep. Uh, where she said, I just want to be able to, I make my living day to day strictly on what I love doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that, you know, obviously that's what you and I do when we coach. Yep. We coach football, basketball. Um, we, we, li- we live our lives doing that, and I think we're pretty lucky in that regard. At the same time, obviously, you guys would love to win the national championship. We'd love to win the Northwest Conference. But at the same mm-hmm. time, I don't think that would be the ultimate looking back. Like, I didn't get the championship ring, so I wasted 35 years. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think that, that's how I, we go. I, I hope not. I hope that that's not what we're in this thing for because, Wow. <laughs> for a long <laughs> career, if if your career is, is only based on winning a national championship, a conference championship, or whatever, if that's your mm-hmm. level of success, then good luck to you. Right, good luck in making this thing your career and making this thing what you want to do in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I really going off of those. I, I love when she talked about, or she just kind of mentioned the fact that she doesn't have a plan B. Yeah, because I've heard that a lot from a lot of people that are successful and have found success in whatever uh, area that they were in, that they really just dove all in and they Mm -hmm. took away, like you mentioned the analogy, I think we were talking later, the analogy of the trapeze artist. And once you take that net away, it's a whole nother thing. And do you really want to do this? Right. I think you find out fast if you really want to do something, if you don't give yourself that plan B or that easy out. I remember specifically when I was with the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the brief cup of coffee that I had with them, mm-hmm. I had a chance to, to be around Mike Tomlin. And that was some advice that he had given myself and a lot of other players that he was around. He just said, Hey, if you want to make it in this profession, don't have a plan B. Don't have a plan B because it just, it makes it easy to fall back on that plan B. Right. It, it's, and that's so scary. Like, how would, like, I, I was thinking about that. How would a Rennie? you know, from episode seven or Eggert or any of the other people we've, we've had on that really take a, you know, a, a systematic approach to taking a look at things like Randy spreadsheets. Yeah. Yep. You know, like how would that fly in their realm? You no know, question. that's, it's an interesting, maybe not opposing views at things, but definitely an approach to success. That's yeah. Different. There's no question, man. Well, th- well, think about this. How would it, how would that go well for you if you went into a game with zero backup plan or any type of right, right. this is the scheme we're using. Like yep. for my, myself, for example, on, on the defensive right. side of the ball in football, this is the scheme and game plan we're going into this game with, mm-hmm. and we're going to stick to it no matter what they do and come out. They may come out in something we've never seen <laughs> offensively, but we're going to stick to this game plan that we we dialed up. 
Right. So I would agree that there's it's it's a little bit perception wise mm -hmm. may seem not ideal. Yeah. But in well, reality, I imagine, too, there's there's some uh, I'm sure within like right now with her music, yep. I'm sure there's sounds, lyrics that she's going to adjust similar to a game plan. But mm -hmm. like I, I you and I both like I don't come to work thinking, you know, if I wasn't a coach today, I think I would sell. <laughs> you know, I would think I would sell timber. Like That's not yep. not anywhere near my, you know, within my chosen plan A, no plan B. Mm -hmm. I've got a lot of things moving, but yep. it definitely isn't. Yeah, tomorrow I might not want to coach anymore. Yeah, I just might not want to be there. Well, how about this? What if tomorrow we said we're jumping all over this podcast thing? That's and... you know that did come into my brain. <laughs> how That's... many times? How many times did that pop in your mind as she was kind of going through? Yep. Some, there, there was one uh, thing specific she she talked about where she wanted to she wanted to be full in control of her creativity and no permission. Yeah. No, yeah. No permission to do what she wanted to do. And that's exactly what popped into my mind. Yeah. was, yeah, that's very similar to Kip and I in this podcast. And she ultimately just said, Hey, this is what I want to do. And it would be similar. if we said the same thing tomorrow, yep. we want to stick to this podcast and we are no longer going to coach it wherever we may be coaching right. at that point. You know, that's, that's a great point because, because even in our like when we started this, we never said we will be successful if we get a thousand downloads or a thousand, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like we we don't like we use some of those numbers, like, okay, that guy got X amount of listens, so we should probably bring him back. But it's not like, oh, that was a good one. Mm -hmm. And another one that didn't get as many, that was a terrible idea. That's not it at all. I think all <laughs> of them have had value. Yep. We enjoyed doing it. That's it. hundred percent. You just you enjoy doing it. Mm -hmm. And that goes so far in a lot of different ways. Yeah. So. Uh, I thought it was interesting hearing on her side, the professional development, whether it was an acting coach, whether it was those, the little sessions she said where you went and did a monologue in front of a director, mm -hmm. uh, hope to get picked. Mm -hmm. uh, or even now where she's got a vocal coach, just hearing how other places have to go about improving at their craft. Mm -hmm. It's not like mm -hmm. we all get assigned worksheets and at the end of chapter six, you'll be better. I, I'm, I'm, all, I'm always interested in hearing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I'm with you there, man. What what ways do you find yourself trying to get better? How can you get better? And every industry is a little bit different, man. It, it's again, I, I love I love these interviews, man. I love I love hearing everyone else's stories, and I love just drawing parallels to my own career, my own life, mm -hmm. and uh, and really trying to add value to what I'm doing, and yeah. or vice versa. I think there's I think there's a sense because we've been doing these and, you know, with all the different people we've brung on, like it kind of reopens that sense of wonder. Like yeah. there's some cool stuff happening and, I, and you get bogged down today with all the terrible things happening in the world <laughs> or even just your day to day. Like let's say Ava stayed up all night and you're in a terrible mood because she was up all night. Yep. Or Lincoln and Leah, like Kelly and I on Friday had to go get Leah from her uh, overnight camp in the wilderness because there was a fire. So they got evacuated early. And of course you're going to go do that. It's your daughter. But that was our anniversary date night. And that got thrown out the window. Right. <laughs> yeah. But so I want to find out. And there's so many cool things happening. And that's, that's kind of re reawaken that inner, I don't know if it's a kid or just curiosity in me. Yep. No, it's the, it's definitely that curiosity. It's that, uh, uh, I think David Gunn, the guru, the podcast guru said something uh, on the very first one that you guys did where he was talking about how he just had this just thirst for knowledge all of a yes. sudden. 
Feeding his brain, I think he said. Feeding yeah. his brain, I think it was – yeah, that's the exact quote. And I feel the same exact way mm-hmm. where I, I am just constantly searching for a new podcast that's going to give me some kind of more, more information. That's why I love to listen up now mm-hmm. uh, segments you guys are doing because it just gives me uh, all these different examples of places I can go to feed my brain, uh, books that I'm reading, people that I want to go listen to. Yeah, uh, Netflix documentaries. I mean, there's just so many things that I'm trying to do to feed my brain in this thirst for knowledge. And in the in the back of my mind, I'm going, "What? Where the hell was this <laughs> back in high school or back in college?" <laughs> when I had all this information that I could, you know, really right. use to yeah. make some informed decisions before I, I became a coach for crying yeah. out loud. It was that I know where was that enlightenment when we were just get, when you were literally expected to spend seven hours a day expanding your brain? Exactly. And all you wanted to do was get out to the field or the court and or the video game. That's it. That was it. That was your world. That was the world you lived in. That's all you wanted to do. Little did we know we had all this other mind opening uh, things around this that we weren't taking advantage of at the time. I would have spent so much more time in the library. You don't even know. Oh man. Yeah, I'm with you. Hey, last thing before we wrap up reacts to our cousin, Kira Yawane, uh, singer, songwriter, creative uh, interview. Kane and I just did. I was really impressed in something that about what she does that I think is, is, is so people don't take for granted, right? Because she talked about how many people want to be actors or want to be singers. The amount of rejection you get in that. You know, like, I mean, I know, I know what, what eats me at the core is the, is a game that we lose. Yep. Now imagine that happening 20 times in a week because mm-hmm. you didn't get a gig. Like I, that part is very impressive that her husband and her can handle that. And when they, you know, and still be able to celebrate their wins, but, but just, you know, plug away through it. So cliche, but they're really striking the rock getting through there because <laughs> I, I couldn't handle 20 losses to Whitman in a week. Oh, it would drive me nuts, man. It's it's extremely admirable to be able to handle rejection so easily. And, and mm-hmm. I guess that's not the way, because you don't handle it easily, I'm sure. I'm right. sure every time you get rejected, a little piece of you just, it hurts. It kills yeah. you a little bit. But to be able to just continuously bounce back, put a smile on your face, go back to work. All right, I need to get better at this. I need to get better at that. Constantly take the critiques and the, and the criticism and try and better yourself. Yeah. That's extremely admirable. And I'm sure it's the same thing when she, uh, as she's dove into this music thing. Mm-hmm. And like you kind of put out there, the, the comments that you yeah. will receive with, with putting yourself out there in her own music and writing her own songs and then putting out there for the whole world to hear and listen to and critique, that's hard to do. And I, I think it's it's unique too for her. I'm sure there's a part of who, whoever's in that singing or songwriting or acting. Like when we go somewhere and we say, they say, "What do you do?" and you're like, "Oh, I'm a coach." And like, yeah. "Oh, okay." But there's, I mean, there's a ton of me. You know, there's a there's 400 freaking D3 basketball coaches. Now take D2. You know, but nobody. It still gets this sense of, "Oh, that's a unique thing." Yeah. <laughs> but if Kira says, "I'm trying to be a singer," or "I'm trying to be an actor." I'm sure X amount of people out of 10 are like, oh, are you? Yes. Sure you are. So even yeah. dealing with that, I think, is impressive um, because I'm sure her and her husband, they get that a, a ton. Are you, oh, you're in L.A.? Oh, you're so sure you are, baby. Of course yeah. you are. Yeah, sure. And the fact that she's still plugging away and going, going with it is awesome. That is awesome. No question about it. 
you know what else is awesome is people that can't see it because we're a podcast is that my co-host is doing the most impressive daddy dance <laughs> Ava, and keeping her silent, even though she had a lot to say as in the beginning of this. It's unbelievable. That's what come across the streams. No doubt. Man. I'm telling you. We don't need a studio. We wouldn't no. work in a studio. Nope. It would not work out. It wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be genuine. This is genuine. This is real life, folks. <laughs> I am I am adjusting to fatherhood as we podcast. Yep. Slowly but surely. I've learned new tricks every single day. And this is just one of them. And I, talk and I about uh, Harry said to you, Oh, you want to do a podcast with Kip? We'll figure out how to do it with Ava because exactly. I'm out. Because I am out. Deuces. <laughs> Yeah, good luck, which is exactly how I want it, man. Throw yep. me the fire, and yep. I will learn. You talk you're about – you I'm a fixer, no question about it. Uh, and you talk about dealing with rejection on a daily basis. I deal with rejection for my daughter on a daily <laughs> basis. You know, she's rejecting this way I'm holding her. She's rejecting that way I'm holding her. Yep. She's rejecting a lot of things at this point, and I'm all about it. I'm just I bouncing right back. Cross the streams, reacts. Cross the streams. Excuse me, Egon. You said crossing the streams was bad.